this is episode 13, how much to charge for your hand lettering. Welcome to the Hand Lettering Podcast. I'm Tam Love, hand lettering artist with a degree in art and design and more than 10 years experience specialising in pencil illustrations. I write and create for letteringtutorial.com, a place to find tutorials, interviews, resources and more. Join me as I talk about all things lettering. Hello and welcome to the Hand Lettering Podcast. Firstly, I wanted to kick this episode off by apologising that the episodes recently haven't been sticking to that schedule that I set out a few weeks back now of weekly and usually every Tuesday. That's when they're supposed to be (laughs) out and it hasn't happened recently. There's a number of reasons for it. Firstly, I've had a a ridiculous amount of family events to attend. And when I started Lettering Tutorial last year, I started it kind of mid-ish April, really. So I skipped most of the chaos. And I was only doing one thing around a week or maybe every two weeks. I can't remember now. So it was obviously a lot lighter workload. Now, a year on, I'm obviously trying to, you know, provide you more content and things like that. And so... Um, I've had a sort of a backlog of that to try and catch up on and keep on top of and then I've been poorly as well uh, for a brief period I had a horrible migraine thing for a good few days actually which obviously is is not a pleasant environment when you then need to put some headphones over your head and hear your voice (laughs) booming (laughs) booming through your ears so I kind of I couldn't really record then and unfortunately um, now, on top of all of those things, I've got some new neighbours downstairs, and I mentioned in previous episodes a few times actually how the apartment downstairs was being renovated, and the noise from that on and off was being quite disruptive to obviously getting episodes recorded and up regularly as I wanted to. Uh, there's a, f- I think it's a family now that have moved in downstairs. There's definitely children anyway, <laughs> and they are not. Um, they're not quite, I mean, they probably make the usual amount of noise that children do, uh, but I think they're quite young. There's a lot of crying and screaming and, um, you know, the sort of tantrums that children tend to throw. Um, and it's, it's again, made things so disruptive to try and record. And I think it's unlikely, you know, they're probably going to be going anywhere again anytime soon. So I don't think that situation is really going to resolve as quickly as perhaps some of the renovation stuff has. I also know as well that there's a building, quite a big building close by to me that's been stood empty for a while that's looking to be filled by a new business and I'd imagine there's going to be a lot of work going on with that when they start to move in. So I get the feeling that there's going to be continual (laughs) noise interruption now which makes recording incredibly difficult um, from sort of here going forwards really. So I've been thinking on what to do with that situation. I don't want to stop making the podcast um, or end it or anything like that because you all seem to really enjoy it. You keep listening (laughs) and I really enjoy making it. Uh, But obviously it is becoming really difficult to record now and get enough quiet time to do it and the only way really is at the moment is to have to you know record a bit stop record a bit more and that's not good for the flow of the episode it's not good listening for you because it kind of I've got to edit and it's a bit choppy 
So I think going forward, what would be a good idea is to create the podcast in seasons. So for example, uh, the current episodes, this one, maybe one or two others, will probably fall into season one. And then I'll take a break, but I won't actually be taking a break. (laughs) In that time, I will be trying to take advantage of quiet patches and record episodes. And then, um, you know, at a point in the future, then I'll be able to release, say, season two of the podcast series. And you'll be able to get those episodes then weekly. They'll be on a weekly schedule still. There'll just be gaps in between. I mean, my plan, obviously, originally was to do a weekly episode just, you know, every week indefinitely. However, (laughs) because of everything that's going on, I think that's going to be incredibly challenging to do now. So I think the podcast season seems like the best way forward. That way I can put more time and quality into the episodes as well if I'm not making as many. It means I can potentially sit down and record episodes quite late at night when I know it generally is normally quiet. I can't obviously do that every week because that's going to start to impact my health if I'm staying up to the really early hours to get things recorded on a regular basis. Uh, but that's not going to, you know, hurt if I do that once every, you know, few weeks or so. So let me know what you think on that idea. Um, like I say, there'll be another episode either next week or the week after, whenever I can <laughs> get enough quiet to try and get the whole episode recorded. But I think working ahead like that is probably the best way to go. And I also, um, another thing to point out with it as well, I want to be able to start actually interviewing people on the podcast. So rather than just uh, featuring a lettering artist and talking about their work, I thought it would be really great if I can start to get people to actually, you know, join me on the podcast and talk about their work. Because I think at the end of the day, you're going to get so much more value from that. And you're going to learn more about that person than obviously I can you know, relay just from researching them. And a lot of these people um, are in different time zones to me. Uh, I'm, if you hadn't guessed from the accent, from from the UK. Um, and, you know, that's, that's obviously not so bad for other people in the UK. However, a lot of lettering artists tend to be US-based, and there's quite a few um, in Australia as well. And trying to obviously set up times where I can record them you know I'm gonna have to sort of fit in with their uh, time zones and things to make things easier for them so again that's going to be difficult to try and organize on a weekly basis or fit that you know in every few weeks around the rest of the podcast schedule and you know the content schedule for lettering tutorial so that's another reason why I think it's a really probably a good move to go with creating the podcast series in seasons that way then I can plan out those interviews get those recorded if anybody then is you know suddenly not able to um you know join me for the interview it's you know all going to be planned ahead so there's not going to be a gap then because I will try my hardest to find somebody else instead um so the schedule then when the this you know the season two launches will just be able to follow you know episode one two three and so on and there's you know there shouldn't be any gaps or anything like that with it either let me know what you think about this idea um if you can think of an alternative um if you've got a really great solution like 
how to build your own soundproof studio from home, which is not really viable because um, I've got a pretty kind of open plan apartment so I think I'd have to I'd have to try and soundproof the whole lot which would be very difficult and not very practical um, but yeah if you've got any other ideas of you know a way that you think I could perhaps get around the the current kind of noise um, and lack of quiet that would be um, good but otherwise if you really like the idea of the podcast being in season so you get you know regular content um, just slightly less of it I guess is the only downside um, it would be great to hear from you um, I obviously want this podcast to you know be what's best for you now as there most likely will be a gap in when you know you'll see the sort of obviously excluding the next couple of episodes after that there's probably going to be a bit of a gap before you see the next um or are available to listen to the next set of um episodes so what i recommend doing right now um is subscribing um on itunes or stitcher uh, soundcloud youtube wherever you listen um subscribe follow like whatever the different ones are <laughs> for different sites um because that's really important because obviously if there's going to be a gap um, you want to know when that next episode is going to be out and that's the best way to do it because that way then it, you'll get notified or it will download automatically uh, and it will be there ready for you. Uh, the other thing you can do as well um, is join my weekly newsletter. You can find that at letteringtutorial.com forward slash newsletter or if you just visit letteringtutorial.com, if you look down the sidebar, or if you're on mobile, it'll be right at the bottom. Uh, there's a, a quick newsletter sign-up form in the sidebar. Um, but yeah, join the newsletter, because I bring pretty regularly um, weekly updates that will give you an idea of you know what's been going on on Lettering Tutorial that week. So obviously as soon as then season two is up and running, um, you'll be notified in that newsletter so there's no way then that you'll miss future episodes of the podcast okay so that's updates done with <laughs> and I'm going to move on now to the content of this episode how much to charge for your hand lettering so this episode is uh, inspired by one of the um, hand lettering HQ uh, Facebook group um, that I manage one of the members of that group uh, raised this question on behalf of um, a few other members in the group too and it's something that they've been discussing in the group and normally I do um, questions and answers at the end of every other episode but this one I think there's so much to talk about on it it, it seems to make sense to do a whole episode on it so here it is so the question that was raised directly um, was by Renata um, and she said how much um, do you charge for a lettering piece especially if it's for a friend um, and that um, a lot of the group have been asking this question as none of them really know what a good amount should be. So this is a pretty big talking point <laughs> and there's a lot you know there's a lot that people will say different people will give as well completely different responses but I suppose all I can really do is perhaps share some of my experiences and some of the things that I've read on um, online 
and then hopefully that will help you know inform how you do go about charging for your work. I'll start with my experiences. So before I began lettering, I launched a pencil portrait business, uh, which is still kind of quietly running. Um, I do the odd commission here and there for family and friends mostly, but I don't tend to advertise it as much as I did because it didn't take me too long to work out that the time that I was putting in um, to creating the portraits just wasn't worth the amount that I was charging and most people I found just weren't willing to pay more and I think that's my own fault <laughs> because of how I originally set my prices so this is this is my experience um, learn from it <laughs> so I began um, by just drawing a couple of um, pet portraits of uh, one of my best friend's dogs. I just, you know, sat one afternoon and thought, it's been a while since I've done some drawing. Um, you know, I like her dogs. There's many, many pictures of them on Facebook because she loves her dogs too. <laughs> so <laughs> Facebook was just bombarded with photos. So I was like, it's, you know, really easy to get some reference to sort of use to draw, you know, and, and I thought, I'll just see how they turn out. And finished one I thought you know I don't think that looks um terrible so I sent a picture to my friend and I was just like guess what this is I thought that's the best way to do it so if she can't tell it's her own dog then <laughs> I think I need to kind of practice a lot more um but no she came back straight away she said oh my god that's, you know that's my dog um and then I moved on to drawing, she's got two, so I, I moved on to drawing the second one then. Uh, and that one actually came out a bit better again, but then out of her two dogs, the second one was my favourite dog. Um, so, so maybe I was slightly biased there, I don't know. Um, but that came out quite well, and I think I put photos of them then up on Facebook. And then a couple of people, you know, were like, wow, you know, that's amazing, you should start, you know, doing this, you know, as a business. So, you know, I thought about it, and I was like... Yeah, that, you know, that could be good. I really enjoy drawing portraits. It's, you know, one of, aside from lettering, it's one of my favourite things to draw. Um, and then I think it kind of stemmed from that. I'm just trying to think what came next. Oh, I did a couple more just, you know, nobody asked me to do them. I did them as presents for people at Christmas and got some really positive feedback. Um, and then my dad was like, can you please draw, um, you know, our family dog? And he, well, he's actually been asking me to do that for about eight years, <laughs> or was asking me to do it for about eight years. So I finally thought, well, I've done a, you know, a couple of these portraits now, and they haven't come out uh, too bad. So I thought I'd, you know, give it a go finally. And it's probably the best one I've actually drawn, you know, to this date. But I think maybe it's because I knew, you know, my family dog too. So I think I knew. Um, you know, knew the dog really, really well, and that made him a bit easier to draw. Um, I put that up as well, and then, you know, lo and behold, I started getting requests in from, um, you know, friends saying, you know, how much will you charge to draw, um, you know, my cats or whatever, and it kind of started to grow from that. Now, I think because I'd started off obviously drawing these just kind of for fun as a bit of a hobby, really, and experimentation. Uh, the first amount I charged for the first one was £10, uh, which in dollars 
probably translates to maybe about uh, $17-ish. Um, so not a great deal, and considering the amount of time as well that it took. It, I mean, it probably took a good sort of five, five hours, I reckon, and this was for a small one. Uh, so A5 paper size, and just like charcoal and pencil and chalk. Uh, so not particularly expensive materials to use, I guess. But still quite a lot of time, and clearly I was, you know, undercharging <laughs> for the amount of time that was involved and the overall quality because I didn't sacrifice on the quality in any way um, they were you know they were immensely pleased with it afterwards but it was for a close friend of mine and I kind of felt bad charging any more than that really and then I got approached by a friend of my friends <laughs> who was like oh you know can you char you know can you draw um, you know my dog and cats and she wanted two different sets of portraits um, and again because obviously she, I figured she you know she might know how much um, I asked my other friend for so I put it up a little bit because obviously I wasn't too um, I wasn't as sort of close to her I guess um, but I again didn't want to you know charge too much in case you know she said no because really I was excited that people were you know interested in buying my work and so I kind of let you know the excitement um, kind of overweigh, you know, what I really should have been um, focusing on, which is, you know, the value that people are getting from the work. So um, I charged that, and then I had more people asking me how much, um, you know, would it be for a portrait, and. I had a couple more that, you know, were more than happy. And slowly I kind of started creeping, you know, the price up. And then people started asking if I could do colour ones as well. Uh, the one I did for my parents was a, a kind of a colour one, but the dog's black and white. So <laughs> there wasn't loads of colour in it, really, just around the eyes. Um, but people started asking for colour and if I could do them a bit bigger as well so that they could fit, you know, more pets in. Because, um, you know, the A... The A5 you could fit sort of two very small portraits in, but really I needed to go up. And obviously going up in size meant uh, more time again, because it was obviously bigger. But it also meant, um, again, with people wanting colour, more materials, um, you know, higher quality materials, because I didn't want to use, you know, nah, pencil crayons, the, you know, the real cheapy ones you can get. I wanted to use a good quality pencil crayon to obviously do the work justice. So at this point I put the prices up, you know, a little bit more again when people were asking and it kind of reached this sort of almost cut-off point where people just, you know, wouldn't pay beyond a certain point. And I think it's probably because I was, um, I had kind of advertised at one point on Facebook, you know, I'll do a black and white portrait for this amount um, and a colour for this amount before I really gauged actually that the colour ones would take more time and use more materials. Um, and then obviously I put the prices up a bit more once I realised what was, you know, actually involved with it. And I think, you know, what happened was people obviously saw that I'd been previously charging a lower price and then they wouldn't, you know, they were like, hang on, well, if she was charging like, you know, sort of 20, 30 pound originally for a, a colour portrait and now, you know, she's charging 50, um, 
you know, I, I didn't want to really pay that. So I had, you know, a few friends message me like, oh, how much, you know, would it cost for you to draw, you know, my cat or my rabbit or whatever. So, I, you know, I'd come back and say, I think I was sort of saying about £50, which considering they would take about 12 hours, is still, you know, not enough for the time and value that went in. <laughs> but I was still, you know, trying to be nice. <laughs> um, you know, you know, these are my friends. I, you know, I didn't want to sort of look like I was you know, trying to take advantage or anything like that. And then, you know, some of them just went quiet. And I sort of, you know, I felt a little bit upset, actually. I, you know, I'll be honest about that. I was like, mm, you know, that that isn't actually that much, really. <laughs> uh, you know, what are they sort of expecting? You know, are they expecting less than that? Or were they hoping that I just say, oh, it's fine, you know, I'll do it for free. Um, so I think when you set prices... I think that the best thing you can probably do is set what you're going to charge as early on as you can. Because, as you can probably learn from me, <laughs> if you if you start off charging for your lettering, you know, say you start off charging like, um, I don't know, maybe about $20 an hour or something like that, um, and then you suddenly, you know, jump up to, uh, you know, $50 an hour, in your chart, you know, advertising this to sort of friends and family, etc. They're, you know, most likely going to do what my group of friends did, you know, question kind of why the prices have just jumped up and why they can't really, you know, get it at a cheaper price. But, uh, friend, well, I still do have a friend um, <laughs> that does uh, kind of logo design more than anything and graphics, and he did a similar thing. I think to me, he started off, you know, really low pricing, and he's, you know, worked his way up and worked his way up and worked his way up. And he's found a lot of people um, in his friendship group will just be, you know, really awkward about paying beyond a sort of a certain point. And they, I think, they either expect it for, you know, nothing or a lot, lot cheaper than um, other people will. I think the people that really value your work will be the ones that are willing to pay more. Um, I had um, one of my friends, again, who wanted a portrait of his uh, dog and he um, he asked how much it would be. It was just one dog, he wanted A4, uh, didn't involve like, masses and masses of colours. So I, you know, and I was still trying to be nice. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I said, okay, um, thirty pounds, which again, you know, the the portrait took about twelve hours, I think, in the end, so nowhere near enough to justify it. I was still sort of trying to build up a bit of a portfolio as well. Um, he was so amazed by the work, he ended up paying me fifty pound instead. Um, so he paid almost double what I quoted him for it. Um, didn't ask him for it. I didn't drop any hints whatsoever. He just couldn't believe, you know, the work that I'd created. He, you know, voluntarily gave me more money. <laughs> so the people that really appreciate your work will be happy to pay, you know, whatever you charge them at. For those of you that aren't familiar with Sean McCabe uh, from SeanWest.com, he's written some really helpful articles on pricing. And I will try to link to those if I can refine them in the show notes for this episode. And you can find the show notes at letteringtutorial.com forward slash handletteringpodcast13 
and that's numerical number 13. Or if you just go to letterintutorial.com and click on podcasts in the menu, you can choose the relevant episode um, from the list there. Uh, but yeah, as I was saying, he's written some really great articles on uh, pricing. And he's basically said there should only be free or, you know, whatever you set your prices off really to begin with. And I think that works very well in the situation with uh, friends because you can either just, you know, set your prices, you know, if they're not willing to pay it, then they don't value your work, I guess, you know, as much as perhaps you'd hope they do. Um, or you can not charge them anything. But when you don't charge anything, although, you know, it can seem like, you're, you know, perhaps not getting anything out of it, you can still say that, you know, normally it would cost this much. Um, but on, you know, this occasion, I'm happy to do this for free for you. There's, you know, they're still going to go to friends and things and say, you know, it should have been this much, you know, I, I got it for free. And people, I think, don't expect to get things for free um, as much as they expect to get things discounted, especially with friends and family. You know, giving something for free is, you know, hugely generous thing. And people are, you know, probably more likely to come back to you a second time round. If you give it, you know, give it to them for free and actually pay the full price a second time round, rather than you give them, you know, something at a discounted price, they're going to expect that price again the next time round. So that's kind of the way Sean Wes recommends to do things. And you'll notice if you look at his courses and stuff, he'll um, he'll either have a free option. Or there'll be a set price. Sometimes when he launches a course, he starts it at a set price uh, for a brief amount of time, and then he'll put it up to a final set price, and that's literally it. it doesn't move. That's I think you know that shows consistency with your pricing, because obviously mine I moved well. They went from sort of down to up. Then people weren't paying sort of the up price, so I moved them down a bit again, and then kind of up a bit again, and. That, you know, that doesn't look particularly professional. Um, it doesn't give people really a clear idea of what you actually charge. So I think it's best to just start off with free and then a realistic price worked out on the amount of time you put in and the value that people are going to get from your work. Now, at this point, you might be thinking, well, you know, if I charge, you know, not this really low kind of mates rates, pricing how am I going to build a portfolio up to then perhaps attract the people you know that might pay higher you know for my work you might not build a portfolios quickly by charging realistic prices for your lettering work but there's nothing stopping you from working on your own personal projects in that time and filling a portfolio up with that instead work on the things that you're passionate about the you know lettering words or phrases or use styles that you've always wanted to play about with and have fun and you know create a portfolio like that there's a lot of people out there that have got portfolios packed full of work they've done for their own you know personal um, use not based on work that they've done for other clients 
And the same applies um, like if you take the coding world, for example, there'll be perhaps 50% of jobs that will want people that have like, you know, a couple of years experience working hands on um, with specific um, language environments in an existing company. But more often than not, they'll look and they'll see if you're capable of doing what they want. Um, and if you can, you know, they'll employ you. So, you know, you've got a great portfolio of projects that you've worked on um, that just show you've got the skills. That's all that matters at the end of the day. It doesn't matter that they were, you know, for your project, not somebody else's. So keep that in mind that, you know, if you don't get as many people interested in your work right away at the prices that you set, just work on your own thing build up your own portfolio and then the people that really do value your work you know that that won't matter to them that it's not for a load of you know companies or um you know your friend's wedding or whatever they'll they'll just see your letter and think you know wow that's good that's a style I really like that's a style I want you know my project to be in now when it comes to the amount that you should charge so a realistic price for your lettering work and skills there's nothing I can really say in terms of this is exactly how much you should charge there isn't a set amount that I can just reel off to you right now because there's so many variants involved so depending on which country you come from obviously prices can vary dramatically from one country to another in terms of what um, services cost I mean, even if you take the UK, for example, um, I'm sure most of you are probably aware, <laughs> the UK is generally made up of um, England, Scotland, Wales, and then you've got Ireland hanging about over on the left-hand side somewhere. And Wales, the prices in Wales are dramatically cheaper than what they are in England. Uh, so, for example, um, a haircut in, um, well, in this area of uh, England that I'm in, um, it's around kind of anywhere really between about 14 to 20 pounds for a women's or a lady's haircut. Whereas if you hop on, you know, over the bridge to Wales, um, it's not separated, by the way, it's just <laughs> a bridge to get there from this area. <laughs> um, you would pay around seven pounds uh, for a haircut, so that's probably about twelve dollars, maybe. And then the fourteen to twenty um, pound that would be sort of, I guess, twenty-five to almost thirty dollars, roughly. Um, so you can see there's quite a significant difference in price there, just you know, within um, a relatively smallish country when you compare it to the US. And I know this obviously occurs in the US as well. There's different prices, I think, depending on like East Coast and West Coast and so on. So it's, you know, it's, it's difficult to set, you know, an exact price that would apply to, um, you know, all of you listening. Um, the best thing to do is actually research what other people around you that are doing a similar sort of thing are charging. Now, you know, maybe you can't find 
another lettering artist that's you know that's sort of active in your area but maybe there's somebody doing logo design work which has similar qualities and skills involved um, to what lettering does and investigate you know what they're charging but again that's not something to go by you need to really collate a few of these to get you know a rough idea and there's other things to factor in too like how long these people um you know have been perhaps doing logo design uh it tends to be the people that have been doing sort of work in a specialist area for more than 10 years do have much higher rates um so there's things like that to gauge in too um and then again skills you know are they just limited to this one set of skills or do they incorporate more skills in so there's so many aspects to take in the main thing you want to be doing when you set your prices is covering enough obviously to um, value the time that you put in so it's a really important to get a feel for how much time that you'll be spending obviously working on a piece because you want to make sure you know that your time's been compensated but not only that um, the value as well that the person will get um, from whatever it is that you're lettering is it just a one-time lettering piece uh, something you know that they want to put up on their wall is it a logo a logo is you know the person that you let the logo for is going to get huge value from that because you know they're probably going to use it on their website they might be using it on business cards it might be turned into like a, a kind of a banner or header for you know the entranceway of a shop or you know there's loads you can sort of do with a logo uh, so the value that they're going to get from that will be huge so you obviously want to incorporate that into your pricing um, is it some wedding invitations that's something obviously that a will use up a lot of time if you've got a hand letter each one individually and it's you know perhaps 300 or more invites um and again that's something that they're going to get a lot of value from because um you know you're creating so many of them and you're giving them this big set of unique personalized hand lettered you know um invites to hand out and again that's something you know that these can sort of keep for you know forever really <laughs> so there's so many factors to involve when pricing your work um, you obviously want to price it fairly as well uh, so you, you know you don't want to sort of you know someone says I you know I want I don't know a hundred wedding invitations hand lettered you don't turn around and go okay that'd be 50 million pounds please <laughs> um you know obviously keep things fair when you price them um the main thing to do is just get across to you know the friend or um client whoever it is that's interested in your work what the value is that you, you know they're going to get from your work or you're going to give them um from them using you and then that that will justify you know what what you're charging that's i will point out again something that i've read um from uh sean um macabre seanwes.com um so if i can find 
I can't remember if it was all part of the same article or not, but again, if I can find that, I'll pop it in the show notes if it is a, a separate article. Uh, but it's important to keep those things in mind. And again, I mean, take my friend, the one that paid extra. He obviously saw so much value in my work. He was happy to pay, um, you know, more than what I'd originally quoted him for. Um, so it's true. <laughs> um, people will, you know, see the value in your work. You've got to have confidence in your work too, you know, confidence that you are giving value, that your work has value. Um, so if you don't perhaps feel that at the moment, think about what you need to do to make that happen. Maybe it's practice a little bit more, or maybe it's just looking at your work a bit more realistically. Perhaps you're just looking at your work too critically. Actually, your work's really good and you're just not seeing that at the moment. So those might be some things to kind of keep in consideration. If you still find yourself unsure about how much to charge for your lettering work, there's a really helpful book, uh, which you can get from Amazon and I suspect most other uh, bookshops, and it's called The Graphic Artist Guild Handbook of Pricing and Ethical Guidelines. And the latest one is the 14th edition. There are some old ones. Um, it's not uh, not the cheapest book in the world, but it is obviously full of really helpful information. Uh, it's got loads of stuff in there as well about licensing and things, which is important, and uh, contract agreements, which when you're a lettering artist, you do need to um, to use really to help make sure you do get paid um, when you're supposed to be. Yeah, there are slightly older versions if you can't quite afford the price tag on it, but just keep in mind that obviously the information in the older ones might not be so current or up to date because obviously inflation happens pretty much every year now I think prices seem to creep up for pretty much everything um, and the same obviously applies within the art and design world so it might be a case of um, if you do pick an older one the prices perhaps won't be representative of nowadays but it still might give you a starting point in terms of what you know what you should be pricing your work at um, I'll pop a link to that book um, in the show notes again so you can find it really easily. To summarise what I've discussed in this episode as there was quite a lot of information and content in this one. Don't undersell yourself, that's one of the first things, and be consistent with your prices. So you will find people that will see the quality in your work, providing obviously you keep showing your work, you keep sharing it on social media, you will find people that you know, will appreciate the value in your work. Don't be inconsistent with your pricing by, you know, starting off low, then going perhaps high and then changing it because, you know, people don't seem interested in going high. That was my mistake I made, which I shared in um, my experience of drawing portraits or pets. Um, so avoid doing that. If you can, just start off with, um, as Sean McCubb recommends, free and a realistic set price because then that gives you the option you know for those friends that are really near and dear to you that are like you know hey I want this you know this lettering piece done um, how much will it be you can either be like well you know it's this amount um, 
but you know, as I love you, <laughs> as you put up with me, <laughs> um, I'll do it for free on this occasion. Um, people are going to value that an awful lot more than if you just discount it. Uh, I will. I think a lot of the things that I've, you know, I've got a discounted amount. I've noticed it, you know, in my own behaviour. I don't appreciate as much as the things I either pay full price for or that people have said, you know, have this for free. You value those things so much more. They mean more to you than when you get something just a bit cheaper. You respect it more, I think. So those are things to, you know, keep in mind in terms of price and the whole how, you know, how to approach pricing with your friends. And then in terms of how much to charge, just keep in consideration your location, what similar rates are around that area, you know, how do they look, because they will vary across the whole country. And if you're still not sure, do some research, perhaps get the Artist Guild book, um, have a read of that, because that will hopefully give you a bit more insight into what you should be charging. And finally, just really look into your work and look deep. Make some notes on it if you need to, so you've got them, you know, to hand, about what value people get from your work. You know, you're not just fulfilling a requirement with your lettering work. You're, you know, bringing a unique skill set. You're bringing something that perhaps other lettering artists um, can or don't have or not many would help, you know, out, else out there be able to bring. So keep those things in mind when you set your pricing. Awesome. Well, I think that wraps this episode up. Um, hopefully you've learned something from my pricing mistakes. I obviously, I had nothing to model what I did uh, previously with the portraits on. This time around with lettering, I obviously am much more prepared. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I've done research into what, you know, people sort of in a, a similar catchment area to me uh, charge. I've, you know, looked into what sort of unique skills I have and value I can offer. And those are the things I recommend that you do too. Now, um, as I mentioned uh, at the beginning of the episode, uh, if you want to leave any feedback in terms of the season uh, structure that I think I'm going to you know, go with going forward, uh, you can do that in a number of ways. And if you want to leave, um, obviously, any feedback um, just relating to this episode, you can do that in a few ways too. Um, firstly, if you go to the show notes for this episode, so again, you can find those at letteringtutorial.com forward slash hand lettering podcast 13 and that's the numerical number 13 um, and if you scroll to the bottom um, there'll be a comment section there so feel free to share your comments um, and thoughts on this episode or on the um, you know making seasons of the podcast instead um, otherwise you can send me an email um, and you can do that using ask at letteringtutorial.com that's A-S-K at L-E-T-T-E-R-I-N-G P-U-T-O-R-I-A-L dot C-O-M and then you can also um, reach out to me and get in contact with me through social media 
So you can either um, go to the Lettering Tutorial Facebook page, which is found at facebook.com forward slash lettering tutorial. Um, otherwise, Twitter, it's at lettering tut. And Instagram, you can find me at lettering tutorial. Um, so please do um, get in touch, leave your comments and thoughts on this episode. There's still probably loads more to discuss. <laughs> I'm sure some of you might have different experiences than me. Maybe you, you know, use different pricing models that have actually worked really well. It's, you know, it's different for every person, I think, and it's different, obviously, for different locations and from, you know, wherever you are in the world, um, things can work slightly differently. So um, it's, it's kind of hard to generalise everything down into a way that everybody can, you know, apply the same thing and it work perfectly <laughs> all of the time but I'm hoping what I've given you in this episode um, can be applied to you know most of the world um, at the very least um, right awesome I think that's probably um, the end of this episode now if you want to leave a rating for the podcast episode um, and an honest review you can do that in iTunes and Stitcher um, any review you want to leave would be really appreciated because uh, it helps me shape future episodes of the podcast and it also helps other people to find it thank you so much for listening and I will do my best to get the next episode up within the next week or two um, I will try and <laughs> find quiet children crying free and building work noise free times to uh, to make the next episode's recordings thank you bye for now